I'm sure probably all of us have heard the old saying, it's not what you know, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know that matters. And that, that can be true a lot of times. Who you know can maybe give you, get you a job interview. Uh, who you know can get you a date. Who you know um, can get you tickets or entrance into some event or something somewhere. Um, who you know can be really important. Um, and it's always been that way. Take, for example, the, the story. This is a true story. At least he told it as a true story uh, from Bobby Kennedy. Those of you who are older than me who can remember him uh, in person. But when old RFK or young RFK was uh, a attorney general of the United States, he was welcoming a crowd of young lawyers into the Justice Department. And he told them that he knew how they felt because he explained, I too was once a young entry level attorney in the Justice Department, but now I am Attorney General of the United States through a combination of hard work, diligence, long hours, and the fact that my brother became the President of the United States, (laughs) and not necessarily in that order. Sometimes it's not what you know, but who you know that matters. And that is a big part of this morning's passage. We have, we're very near to the end of the book of Romans. Uh, we're, we've come to the very exciting random list of names chapter. Uh, when, uh, when I was planning to preach through Romans, I, you know, I did not have thoughts of, I can't wait to get to that list of names that uh, nobody's ever heard of. It's, uh, it's going to be, nobody ever looks forward to this passage in their Bible reading plan, but this passage can teach us some important things, and I think even some powerful things. What's it doing here first? Uh, in the ancient world, something called letters of commendation were very important. They're similar to a letter of recommendation for us. Uh, but they worked differently. In the ancient world, I don't know the statistics on this, but uh, most people never traveled very far at all, all from the place they were born. Like, I don't know how far the average person traveled, but it wasn't far. Most people lived their whole lives and died within a very small radius. And so when someone did show up in a new town, it was weird, it was it was strange, and there were, there's been swindlers forever. So as sort of fraud protection, people would carry with them letters of commendation. So if I was going to go, if this was the ancient Near East first century, and I was going to leave from here and go to Kearney, let's say, that would be a massive trip. Uh, I would want to take with me, I would either get some respected members of this community or somebody with a with a position, maybe I get our mayor or uh, maybe a county commissioner, let's say, to write me a letter of commendation so that when I showed up in Kearney, this would be, it would basically say, you can trust this guy according to our community. That's a letter of commendation. Or I might find somebody, if there was somebody here that, that knew someone there. If you knew someone in Kearney or had family in Kearney for some reason, I might have you write me a letter, and so then I could show that to that family, and then that family could vouch for me. Does that make sense? That's the way these things work. Well, Romans chapter 16, 
They're all about greetings, but they're greetings with a purpose. Greet so-and-so. Greet this person. Greet that guy. But they're greetings with a purpose, and a big part of it is commendation. Here's what we're going to see this morning as we read. Um, Paul's going to commend one woman to the church. Then there's going to be this whole list of names that Paul asks people to greet. Um, then Paul's going to have a little section where he tells of a kind of person to not greet. And, and then Paul will close by sending the greetings to the church in Rome from the people that live where he's writing. That's where we're going. Let's read our passage and see what things we can learn together. Romans 16, 1 through 23. Uh, click that one time for me, Jeff. Now I should be good there. Okay, Romans 16, 1 through 23. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. That's the, the Roman territory, not the continent. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were with me, or who, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are in the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man or a man chosen by or in the Lord. Also, greet his mother and mine. But this is Paul saying that Rufus's mom was like a mom to me, not necessarily that his, Paul's mother, biological mom, lives there. Verse 14, greet uh, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet uh, Philologus and Julia. Special thanks to Julia for having a name I can pronounce, so thanks there. <laughs> Uh, Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the reproof of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I'm rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 
Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. And so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. And Quartus, the brother. There's our passage. We start in verses 1 and 2, where, which is actually a little mini letter of commendation to a woman named Phoebe. Um, Bible scholars, there's basically unanimous consensus that this is the person, Phoebe, this woman, is who carried this letter to Rome because this is how a letter of commendation works. And he uses the word, I, I commend you to Phoebe. So this woman uh, shows up in Rome to the church. I've got a letter from Paul. One way we know it's from Paul is he, com- he commends me to you. There's another way we'll know it's from Paul later. This is the only place Phoebe shows up in the Bible. So everything we know about her comes from, from right here. It tells us something about Paul, though, first. Paul gets a really bad rap for uh, people say that Paul hates women. Because in Paul's letters, uh, Paul made very clear there's some positions in the church that aren't appropriate for women. Paul said women aren't supposed to be teaching pastors. And all authority in the church, and a lot of people in our day and age don't like that. And so it's very common to hear that that Paul sort of hated gals, was misogynistic or whatever. He gave this woman a very important job. She carried this most precious of letters to the church in Rome. We can tell about Phoebe that she was trustworthy. We can tell that she was wealthy from this. Because um, Paul says, She's been a great help to many. The Greek word here is the feminine form of the word for patron um, or benefactor, which is a person who supports financially the work of other people. And Paul says that she has been a great benefactor to lots of people. So for whatever she did, she was a woman of, of means. And what's cool about that to me is that Paul calls her, she is, she's wealthy, she must have been influential, but Paul calls her a servant of the church. Your English version might translate that, deacon. Uh, diakonos, the Greek word, meant servant long before it meant our concept of, of deacon. Uh, this is a wealthy, influential woman who saw herself as a servant of others, which I think is cool. Um, so that's, that's Phoebe, letter of commendation, right out of the gate. And now we go to the long section of, the longest section of this, which is just a list of random names to us. For the most part, we don't know anything about most of these folks. Um, but this is here for a purpose. And here's what I think. I think this list of names supports the main idea of this book. The main idea of this book or this letter to the Romans is it's Paul's attempt to write down the, in the clearest, most orderly manner what Christianity is, what this belief system is, why we need it, what accomplishes it, the cross of Christ, 
Um, that God has not forgotten his, all the promises he's ever made, including those to Israel, because God doesn't work that way. What our lives will look like if we believe this. Isn't that what this letter has been about? And, and Paul wrote that down because he wants them to support him and his new mission to Spain, and they need to know what he believes. So that's, that's what he wrote down. These are my beliefs. And then Paul at the end, he, he knows enough about enough people in Rome that he says, these people get it too. Greet these folks. This is not so much, hey, say hi to Priscilla and Aquila for me. Say hi to Rufus. Love that guy. It's, hey, church, greet these folks. There's always been lots of bad ideas about what Christians should believe or do believe. And so Paul gives a list. Here's this one and this one and this one. Pay attention to them. Hang out with them. Fellowship with them. Greet them. I'm not sure this is so much greet them for me as as you greet them and get to know them because these guys understand Christianity the way it's meant to be understood. So that's what these folks are doing here. It's Paul's commendation of them. A few things about a few of the people. Paul begins with the only familiar names on the list. Paul says, greet Prisca and Aquila. You probably know her by the name. If you've, if you've been reading the Bible a long time, you know her by her fuller name, Priscilla. If you want to read more about Priscilla and Aquila, uh, you can read Acts 18. Just write that down. You can read that on your own. Great story. Uh, just a Cliff Notes version. Uh, By the way, Prisca is just a diminutive, like most people call me Matt instead of Matthew. We get Liz from Elizabeth, right? They got Prisca from Priscilla. So same gal. These two were, had been earlier kicked out of Italy, we would call it, out of Rome by a previous emperor um, when he kicked the Jews out. And while they were kicked out, they met another guy who did the same trade as them. They were tent makers. And they met this guy from Tarsus named Saul. We know him as Paul. Um, And and they spent some time apparently working together. Paul shared the gospel with them and they became believers. Uh, And now apparently they are back in Rome. New emperor, new rules. They're back in Rome and there's one of the house churches in uh, also greet the, the church that's in their house. They, they're very active in the churches in Rome and they host a, a, a house church. Paul says something else interesting about them. He says that Priscilla and Aquila once risked their own necks to save my life. I would love to tell you the story because I would love to know the story, but I don't. It's just not in our Bibles. Maybe someday, maybe we can sit down with them and they'll tell us the story. Um, but here's what I do know. These were just a couple of random tent makers that got kicked out of Italy, facing persecution. They came to know the Lord Jesus through the preaching of Paul. And someday, Paul had probably gotten himself in trouble, but we don't know. They did something courageous, something risky, to minister to Paul that wound up saving his life. And Paul says, 
It's not just I'm that grateful that I am grateful for that, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful that they took that that risk. That includes us. We're a church among the Gentiles. Do you know how much more we know about Christianity because two random tent makers took a risk? Paul probably, I don't know, he probably hadn't written anything in the New Testament that we have in the New Testament. Maybe he had written a thing or two, but probably not likely. You know, God is still in the business of doing stuff like that. God takes people, maybe they haven't even known Christ very long, who are willing to, in faith, do something that takes courage for the gospel and changing the whole world because they do it. We don't even know what it is. We wouldn't even know it existed if Paul wouldn't have said this. But even if it were anonymous to us, wouldn't wouldn't make it any less true. And God still does this. And the cool thing is, we don't have to do anything life-risking. We don't have to do anything public. We don't have to do anything impressive. We just have to be people who are willing to step out of faith and take a gospel risk sometimes. You don't have to be Billy Graham to make an impact for the kingdom of Christ. Do you know that? And I think I can illustrate that for you by using the story of Billy Graham. Did Billy Graham have an impact for Christ? Amen. You better believe it. Billy Graham, if you read his autobiography, he uh, was led to the Lord when he heard um, a, a traveling evangelist preach. That's when Billy Graham accepted Christ. And that guy's name was Mordecai Ham. Uh, and it sounds like a character from a children's book, but it's not. He was an actual guy. And so Billy Graham had this huge impact for Christ, but there wouldn't be a Billy Graham without a Mordecai Ham. But wait, there's more. Mordecai Ham was eighth in a line of preachers. Eight generation of Ham men were preachers. Um, I don't even know, I can't tell you a thing about great, 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 great granddaddy Ham. But something, I don't know what country he lived in, but that's got to be like two, three hundred years ago. Something in his life made him want to give his heart to Christ and his life to his church. It's completely anonymous. We have no way of knowing what that was. But there had to be some people in his church that did things that just seemed just mundane, but they were they took gospel faith and courage to build into his life. And at some point, this guy thought, even though even though I am named after the southbound end of a northbound hog. My name is Ham. Okay, I hope he didn't try to be a messianic pastor of a, because that wouldn't have gone well. But there was whoever it was around him built into his life and made him want to be a pastor, which is great. And then his son's 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 son shared the gospel one time and Billy Graham heard it. So those people 300 years ago that did whatever they did around great, 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 great granddaddy Ham changed the world. Even though it didn't show up for eight generations and they would never know. God still works that way. That's why Paul can say, 
Greet Prisca and Aquila. Ask them about when they saved, they risked their neck to save mine. And God has been changing the world ever since. God still does that. It doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be up front. It just has to be faithful gospel courage. From there, uh, Paul gives a super strong uh, commendation for this couple in verse 7, Andronicus and Junia. Don't know anything about them except they were locked up with Paul. Paul was locked up a lot more times than we know about in the New Testament, he, he told us. Um, these two were well, whoops, wrong button. These two were well known to the apostles. That's a ringing endorsement, isn't it? Uh, and Paul says, these two were, have been Christians longer than I've been a Christian. These two were on the ground floor of Christianity. You see how that's a commendation? Hang out with them. Sit down with them. Listen to them. They get it. As we read through the passage, did you catch anything that was repeated over and over and over besides the word greet? You know what was repeated the most? There's two other things that are really repeated through this. The most often repeated is um, in Christ Jesus about Priscilla and Aquila. In verse 6, it's not on the screen, but some random woman named uh, Mary was in the Lord, or maybe she worked in the Lord. Now, she's a worker. Uh, worked for you, sorry. But these two, uh, they were in Christ before me. This guy was in the Lord, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the Lord. Over and over and over, right? Paul says this over and over and over. It's the most often repeated because it's the most important characteristic anyone can have. Again, these are commendations. These are people who are in Christ Jesus, in the Lord. It's the most important thing that anyone can say about himself or herself. What's it mean to be in Christ or in the Lord? That's what Romans is about. Paul started the book of Romans by telling us how when we are born, we're not born in Christ, in the Lord. We are born in our sin. We know there's a God out there, but we don't care. We don't want to know what he wants. I want to do what I want. And that leaves us, Paul said, in the wrath of God. Right? The wrath of God is pointed against us. So we have a need to be rescued. That rescue comes at the cross of Christ where our sins are placed on him. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right? When we believe in Jesus, it's like God picks us up and puts us in Christ Jesus where that wrath of God that should be pointed at me is shielded by the Lord Jesus. That is being in Christ Jesus. And then by chapter 8, Romans 8, 1, Paul says, and now there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of these people, that's why he commended, they're in Christ Jesus. They're in the Lord. These are the ones, listen to them. That's the most often repeated thing. The second most, this was why I why Mary came to my mind a minute ago. Verse 6, some woman named Mary worked hard for you. Um, Urbanus, my fellow worker. 
uh, so-and-so worked hard. Uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa, laborers in the Lord. By the way, Tryphena and Tryphosa, quick parentheses because the story's kind of cool. You know what those words mean, Tryphena and Tryphosa? They mean something like dainty and delicate. I assume that's not their real names. Though, if you want to name your twin girls dainty and delicate, delicate go for it. Um, but I pause to say this because you don't need to be physically impressive or strong or terribly physically able to serve the Lord. You can be dainty and delicate uh, physically, vocally, personality-wise. Paul says, greet dainty and delicate. Get to know them. They are in the Lord and they are workers in the Lord. He says that over and over and over. They worked hard in the Lord. They served in the Lord. All that stuff. I'm going to assume all of these people had other jobs. But Paul commends them because they're workers in the Lord. It's a good thing you have another job besides church. God gave you that job. God gave, God gave us work when the world was perfect. It's good that you work um, in the cattle business. It's good that you work in the medical field, in education. You work in insurance. You work in the service industry. But we all ought to work in the Lord. All of these anonymous names that we don't know, like God knows. God is a very good record keeper. He's never forgotten anything that's ever happened. He keeps track of those who work in the Lord. And it's commendable. And he can change the world through people who will just be workers in Christ. Verse 13 is a very interesting one to me. I can't be super dogmatic about this, which means I can't speak about this in a way like I'm super duper sure. But Paul says, greet Rufus, which aside from being a great name for a dog, I mean, if you got a dog and you're looking for a name, Rufus is right up there. But Paul says, greet Rufus. He's chosen in the Lord. I think I know who Rufus is. In the, the Gospel of Mark, again, consensus of, of biblical scholars is that Mark was written from Rome when Peter was in Rome, when Mark was hanging out with Peter. And when, when Mark tells the story of Jesus' crucifixion, you know the story of Simon of Cyrene, Jesus has been so beaten, so tortured, and they have to carry their cross, uh, and, and Jesus can't physically carry it anymore. And what do the soldiers do? Right? The soldiers forced a passerby to carry Jesus' cross. His name was Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And then Mark adds this little note. Simon of Cyrene was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, Mark doesn't do this in the rest of his gospel. He doesn't tell us who every character's kids were. The only reason he adds this is apparently Mark's original audience would have known who these boys were, Alexander and Rufus. 
And if Mark wrote from Rome and his original audience was in Rome, that leads me to think this Rufus and this Rufus are the same Rufus. We don't have multiple Rufuses. Rufi. It's the same Rufus. And if that's all true, which is conjecture, I might be out over my skis here a bit. But might it have been difficult to grow up in the shadow of your dad if your dad was the guy chosen to carry the cross of Jesus Christ to Golgotha? Was he chosen for something incredibly special? What if this is Paul saying, hey, I'm greeting folks. Will you guys greet Rufus and remind him he is just as chosen as was his daddy? He was just as chosen to do what the Lord has for him as his daddy was chosen to do what the Lord had for him. And if that's true for Simon of Cyrene and his boy Rufus, that is true for you and me. We are chosen on purpose for a purpose. And through courageous acts of gospel guts, God God chooses for us. He's still changing the world, though we may never see it. The end of this section, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. There's just too many jokes, so we're just going to keep right on going. We're not going to start kissing folks, I will tell you that. It has nothing to do with COVID, because that's weird, okay? This was, but it wasn't weird in Paul's day. This was standard uh, greeting of close friends. And this is Paul's way of saying, again, don't just greet these folks I told you about. You, then you greet one another along with them. Be close. Get together. Fellowship. It's important. And he says, the rest of the churches I've been hanging out with greet you guys too. From there, Paul really changes directions. It can seem like verses 17 through 20 don't fit because in the, in the middle of two sections of positive greetings, Paul takes a time out and starts giving warnings against false teachers. But here's how this fits. Greet all these folks that I've been telling you about. And in the previous section, it's been a few weeks for us, Paul has been talking about, but within the church, remember all that weaker brother, stronger brother stuff? Uh, Don't let the divisions among you start to separate folks. Closeness, accept one another the way Christ accepted you. And then now, Paul's greet all these people, but Paul says, "But, but wait, 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 wait. There's a kind of person I don't want you to greet. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who create dissensions and obstacles that are contrary to the teaching that you learned. Learn from who, Paul? From me and from that list of folks I just gave you. These are the people that get it. And there are folks that teach stuff that disagrees with Paul. And that's when we're out. Paul says, just because they stop by and they, and they two by two and they ring your doorbell doesn't mean it's time to be accepting and warm. Paul says, they actually don't serve the Lord Christ. They serve their own appetites. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
when they ring my doorbell two by two, they talk good about Jesus. Paul says, but they serve their own desires. If they're trying to work their way into eternal life, whose desire are they really after? You know, the, the difference between the gospel and the cults is I, I'm, I'm passionate about teaching you about Jesus and I want you to know Jesus, but I want you to know it does nothing for me before God and my position before God that Jesus hasn't already done. That's over. I'm not doing this so that enough people come here, God might like me enough to get me in, to let me into heaven when I die. Done. Right? So Paul says, don't greet everyone. Pardon me one sec. Paul says, and you got to be careful. You got to watch out because they can talk good. False teachers, right? They're smooth talk, flattery. They sound good. They can sound spiritual. They can sound Christian. That's why we have to bathe ourselves in the scriptures so that we know when something disagrees with the scriptures. Paul says in verse 19, I know this isn't your problem in Rome right now. He says, your obedience to the scriptures is known. You guys are why, uh, you, uh, is known to all and I rejoice over you that this isn't your problem. Don't confuse what I'm saying here. I don't think you have a false teacher problem. Don't start pointing fingers. I just want you to be wise in what's good and innocent in what is evil. Very similar to uh, something Jesus said once. I want you to be wise as serpents but innocent as doves. Uh, there's a a 17th century theologian and philosopher named Grotius. He paraphrases this phrase this way, that uh, I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent as, in what is evil. Grotius said Paul means he wants the Romans to be too good to deceive, too wise to be deceived. Be too good to deceive someone else, tricky talk, hidden motives, all that stuff, and too wise to be deceived by someone who might be. I know this isn't your problem, but you have to watch out because it is a problem. And I think this goes, verse 20 goes with uh, the false teachers too. The God of peace will quickly crush Satan under your feet. One day, ultimately, when Christ returns, he's going to once for all crush Satan. Hasn't happened yet. He's still active and very good at his job. But one day that's coming, but every false teacher, whether he or she knows it or not, they kind of get their mojo from the great deceiver. And Paul is saying, I think here, watch out. Our job is to watch out and to avoid false teachers, but not to crush. We're not false teacher crushers. We watch out and we avoid. They're always going to be around. We can't stamp them out. We watch out and we avoid and we look forward to the day when the Lord Jesus crushes. He will do the crushing once and for all. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And then Paul finishes this passage by giving greetings 
from the people who are with him where he writes. Almost surely Paul's in Corinth when he writes this. And this little bit at the end, this is like fraud protection. You ever sign a contract and there has to be witnesses who sign with you? Why is that? So people know it was really you who signed. That's what this is. So uh, Phoebe shows up. Hey, I got a letter here from Paul. How do we know it's from Paul? How do we know you're Phoebe? How do we know Paul wrote this? You go to the end. These people are still alive. Paul says, you've probably heard of Timothy. Send somebody to ask him if I wrote this. You probably have heard of Jason. We might know who that is. Don't know for sure. Um, Gaius leads the whole church. You can ask him. Erastus is the city treasurer. There's a guy of importance. Right? So this, this is fraud protection. Just to avoid confusion, verse 22. I, Tertius, who am writing this. I thought Paul wrote this. Uh, it was very, very uh, common to use an amanuensis, which is just Paul said the words. Tertius was the guy who, who wrote it all down. And the end, toward the end of the letter here, Paul must have said, hey, Tertius, why don't you go ahead and say hi too? So, oh, hey, I'm Tertius. Hi. Uh, and there's our passage. What do we learn from this random list of names? First, it's not random. These are greetings with a purpose. We learn every one of these passages like this reminds us like God God sees and God knows even if we don't who those are who are faithful workers in the Lord who are in Christ Jesus there, there's no such thing as an anonymous good deed there's anonymous good deeds down here they're awesome but the Lord sees and the Lord knows and this passage encourages us to take those gospel risks. To, uh, Pastor, I, I really want to start a, uh, a small group. and I, uh, Would you help me figure out how to do that? Yeah. I want to start a one-on-one -on -one discipleship with somebody. I want to share the gospel with somebody. I want to, I want to confess some things. I want to, uh, whatever. I don't know what your risk is. But this passage encourages us to do it. It reminds us there are false teachers we need to watch out for. We can't believe everyone who, uh, who sounds spiritual. We need to immerse ourselves in, in, in the scriptures. And then finally, most importantly, the most, it reminds us the most important thing you can say about you is I am in Christ Jesus. Are you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Paul would say you're either in the wrath of God or you are in Christ Jesus and there are no other alternatives. Do you believe that the reason Jesus went to the cross was to be your shield against the wrath God pointed, should point, deserves to point at you? You can place your faith in that Savior and that shield today and God will place you in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, this just, just reminds us and begs of us to be workers in Christ.
the Lord because not everyone is. And our faithful work, God will see, he will use to change the world, though we may not ever see it. I've told this story before, but it's one of my favorite stories from here. Years ago, a woman walked in the doors here who was a complete mess, bawling and hopeless. And you know why she walked in the doors of this church? She's 40-something. She said, I just, when I was a little girl, somebody used to bring me to Awana here and they would tell us about Jesus and I thought maybe that you could help. Forty years ago, there were people that showed up on a Wednesday night. They were tired. Right? We don't know what the Lord will do with those who are workers in Christ Jesus. Even if you're Trifesis and Trifonus or whatever their names were, be a worker. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, the, even the obscure passages. There's so much in your word that you've told us, and we love it so much. It's so sweet in our mouths, but God, now the work starts. God, uh, uh, if you have encouraged someone here to, to start to be in Christ Jesus today, Pray you would work in their hearts to, to place their faith to just tell you, God, I think I understand that I've been in the wrath of God and I want to be in Christ Jesus. I understand why he went to the cross. I believe that. God, if there are those of us here who have been, you've been working in our brains and our hearts about a gospel chance, a gospel risk, give us the courage. To, to work toward um, seeing that through. God, help us to always be mindful and faithful that we don't need to see results. We just need to be faithful workers in the Lord. And God, when the celebration starts one day with you, it's going to be, I look so forward to sharing stories of what you did that we didn't see from just little, we thought, simple acts of obedience. And thank you for doing it that way. That way you get all of the credit and all of the glory. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.